into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. Episode 7 of Players vs. Pixels. I'm Chris, and my co-host is... Richard. So, this week has been crazy. What are we going to be talking about? So, after we cover the news, which we do every week, we will be diving into, delving into, whatever you want to call it, going elbows deep, ears deep, eyeballs deep even... Maybe just over the head into Tom Clancy's The Division. <laughs> it's finally here, ladies and gentlemen, after years and years and years and years of waiting. I finally have my grubby little gaming hands all over it, and I have been going crazy nonstop to bring you the most in-depth talk we can possibly bring to you one week after its launch, which is pretty crazy, actually. Very true. We have both been hitting this game pretty hard, and yes. it's hit back. Um, but we'll get into That's that awesome. after the news. All right, so first off in what I saw in the news, uh, Microsoft canceled Fable Legends, which they were yes. doing as like a free-to-play co-op game. Um, it looked actually really interesting. But yeah, they decided to scrap it, and they are also thinking about closing down Lionhead Studios, which, for, for people who don't know, uh, Peter Molyneux actually started. I'm I'm kind of sad, not so much for the Fable Legends, because I really wasn't looking forward to that game, and I'm sure there's some people that were, and, and you know, I kind of feel bad for the people that were looking forward to that, but... For me, it's just sad if they do close Lionhead Studio down, because I do like Fable as a franchise, and I've had a tremendous amount of enjoyment and, and fun from playing the Fable franchise. So to see it just kind of potentially disappear along with Lionhead Studio, I think, is sad, and I think that's really unfortunate. You know, of course, there's a possibility that since it's kind of owned by Microsoft now that they might just form a new studio or bring it into one of their existing studios to do Fable, but who knows. So hopefully they don't close Lionhead down, and hopefully Fable doesn't disappear forever, because I think that would be unfortunate. I agree. Um, I really haven't played Fable at all. Um, it just kind of didn't really appeal to me. But for some reason, Fable Legends did seem pretty cool. Like, I probably would have given that a try. It's kind of like Gauntlet, right? Like, it's kind of like a four-player co-op. Yeah, kind of. But it also had, like, a DM, kind of. So, like, one player could control, like, the enemies. Interesting. Yeah. It seemed like a really cool concept. Hmm. Rocket League is going to be getting a basketball mode. Yep. Which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it'll probably be a ridiculous amount of fun, just like Rocket League is, 
and it coincides with March Madness. So, I mean, that's just kind of brilliant on their part. Didn't Rocket League also just open up all of its servers to potential crossplay against all platforms? Wasn't that something they were talking about doing, or am I making that up? Uh, kind of. The way that I understood it is Rocket League already had cross-platform play between PS4 right. and, and the PC. PC. And now I think they're opening up cross-play between Xbox and PC. So they don't quite have full cross-platform play between all platforms, um, but just about. And then, of course, everybody's been talking about how Microsoft was like, yeah, we want to you know, open it up for everyone, even other consoles, which started a firestorm of everybody being like, oh, Xbox will be able to play with PS4 soon. I don't think that's actually going to happen anytime soon, because I just... I don't, I don't know. I was just reading about that, that I guess uh, the head of Sony Online or something like that, I think his name's Yoshida... Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess he was making a statement that he wants to leave it open to the developers. So he's kind of actually putting the ball in the developer's court saying it's up to you whether or not you want to make your game cross-platform compatible, which is interesting because they started, I guess, questioning Ubisoft about it with The Division. And they came flat out and was like, no, we'll never have uh, cross-play, not even from console to console or console to PC. So they shot that shit down really quick. But I think it's smart for Sony to kind of at least, you know, get out of the way and be like, we're going we're going to allow it if developers want to allow it. And, right. you know, that's where it gets interesting because who knows what all is involved with that. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit worrisome when you have games that, you know, like we've reviewed Bayday 2 and Helldivers where they seemingly can't even get the network to optimize for one console so trying to optimize it for two consoles accessing the same space at the same time might get remarkably tricky. But yeah. again, I'm not super familiar with that. Yeah, I think that it's going to be more of a headache than will be worth it um, if anyone does try it. So I honestly don't see it really taking off. I think it'd be really smart if you were an indie developer to to throw it in there right now in your game if you have a game that's close to launch. Because if you could claim, hey, we're the first one that allows cross-console platform play, that might drive a lot of you know free publicity to you. So, I, I mean, from that standpoint, it could be interesting. But again, it depends how much work is involved and how much of a headache it is. That could definitely drive some huge numbers for them. Speaking of indie games that have huge numbers, have you heard of this game Stardew Valley? I have not. I've been vaguely aware of it because it's kind of like an indie Harvest Moon sort of thing. Okay. And I've just been seeing a lot about it uh, in the last couple of weeks because it launched a few weeks ago. And it, like, instantly shot to the top of the charts on Steam. And, like, it's been one of the most pirated games out there as well. The thing that made me put it in my news, however, is that a lot of people that are playing Stardew Valley have straight up been saying, like, even if they pirated the game, they would go into, like, the comments section for the torrents and be like, hey, this game is great, like... 
if you like this game, buy it. And this game was, like, developed and everything by one guy. Uh, Eric Barone, I believe. He goes by uh, Concerned Ape. So, yeah, like, those people can't possibly all be, like, tied to the development or anything like that. So it's literally players being like, look, we need to support this because it's awesome. And people have also been going on, like, the subreddit for Stardew Valley, and they've been like, hey, you know, if you're playing a pirated copy, I'm going to do a giveaway, like, of Stardew Valley, so you can start playing on a legitimate copy. And, like, that spawned just a ton of other people being like, yeah, I totally want to help other people play this game too. And, like, that just made me read all kinds of interviews and stuff with the creator. And I read one interview where they were talking with him about his, like, crazy overnight success. And they were like, yeah, so you know, how many copies of the game have you sold? And he was like, oh, well, let me just take a look on my screen real quick because I always have that shit up because it's just insane to me. And this was like, I don't know, the middle of last week when I read this interview. And he was at like 400,000 purchases of the game between Steam and uh, GOG and he was like yeah this is just insane like I never would have believed that I would have these type of numbers because this started out as a, as a uh, passion project for me like I just wanted to be able to play Harvest Moon on PC and you know it was kind of a a project where I could teach myself like how to do all these things so that I could possibly make a career out of this. Mm-hmm. And they were like, damn, like, what is that like? And he was like, I, I can't even explain like what it's like. And they were like, yeah, you know, you've since the game launched, like you were pushing out patches constantly the first couple of days and he was just like, yeah, I mean, I feel solely responsible for people's experience with the game because I'm the sole developer and, like, I want everyone to enjoy the game as much as they can. And they were like, yeah, we even read this story that, like, you were taking people's corrupted save files and were fixing them for people. And he was like, yeah, I totally was doing that. And that just blew my fucking mind. That is pretty fucking badass. What was the name of that one more time? It's uh, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Okay. I'm definitely going to check that out because that sounds extremely badass. And I mean, it, it's only 15 bucks. That's the normal price. It's 15 bucks, and it's still getting pirated? Come on, people. God damn it. Support this guy. This guy's going out of his way and, and breaking his back trying to fix people's corrupt saves and everything. Like, come on. That's like a Starbucks drink and a couple of McChickens or something. Like, <laughs> j- just give the $15 to the guy for crying out loud. Buy two copies and give one to a friend. I mean, seriously, come on. Yeah, that that's actually what a lot of people are doing, and they're, like, urging people to do the same. 
and it seems like that is actually what's going on. Is this available via Steam? It is. It's on Steam. It's on uh, Good Old Games. Uh, I believe it's also on the Humble Store. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this game because it's fucking cool. Like, just the people involved in all of this is so fascinating. So this week, Google's DeepMind AI had its exhibition matches against the top Go player in the world, which we talked about a little bit on one of the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. It was almost a complete shutout. Dang! DeepMind won four out of the five matches. Granted, the last match, the human player... Uh, Lee Seidel conceded, but you know he what he did seem to be losing the match when he conceded. But he did win one match, so that's impressive. That is pretty impressive when you're playing against a uh, you know it's kind of like a, a John Henry that went against the uh, against the machine. Yeah, when they were like digging the the railroad or whatever it was. I don't yeah, even driving the railroad. The railroad spikes. That was it. Yeah. Apparently this guy didn't fare as well. (laughs) Well, So we'll be writing songs about Deep Mind and not whoever this guy was. Well, I mean... He's solely responsible for the machines taking over and killing us all now. (laughs) He's failed humanity. Well, in the story, John Henry actually dies competing against the machine you know details details (laughs) and this guy did win a match so more than i would have done i would have looked like an embarrassed uncoordinated giraffe straight out of its mother's womb (laughs) like it would just be awful i would have been like i jump this and this and king me (laughs) exactly 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 pretty sure that's not how that game is played though And then my final piece of news is the PlayStation VR. We finally have a release window um, and a price. because we've talked about pretty much every VR headset on here so far, minus perhaps the Samsung Gear, but that was already out, so that doesn't count. But, But yeah, so, okay, so Sony VR coming out. What's our ballpark release date for this? It'll be out in October. Right around Christmas time. Probably a smart decision. Definitely pushing for that holiday sale. Yep. But also before Rogue One. So they want to make sure that you can spend your $399 and you're not, you know, $14 short or whatever a movie ticket costs you. Very true. (laughs) It's very considerate of them if you think about it. I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to make that decision between the two. I don't either. It's a tough one. Did they say, like, did they say anything about how many titles they're expected to have at launch with this? You know, does this just connect to your console via HDMI? I mean, like, do we have any real details on this? We have some. From what I was reading earlier, they mentioned 50 titles. I don't think all of those are going to be launch titles. Like, I'm positive those are not not, going to be launch titles. 
but they have Definitely. 50 lined up, supposedly. Um, unless I'm remembering that incorrectly, which I very well might be. But yeah, uh, they also announced that they're going to be working with DICE to release a Star Wars Battlefront VR experience. Interesting. Yeah. Is it a single-player solo campaign? <laughs> I, they didn't release any other details other than hmm. they were going to be doing something. Disappointment! <laughs> Uh, from what I saw, just based on what's in the package, yes. I would assume that the PlayStation VR connects to your console via HDMI. Okay. Because I don't know why they would include an HDMI in there if it doesn't. Although, you know, it does connect to like a separate processing box that pushes Ooh. the VR experience so maybe because of that I don't know it's a possibility we do we do know that it's a 5.7 inch OLED display in a 1920 RGB by 1080 so that's 960 by 1080 per eyeball yep. the refresh rate jumps from 90 hertz to 120 based upon apparently what you're doing there's also 360 degree tracking the field of view is approximately 100 degrees, and the latency is less than 18 milliseconds, which I hope that's way less, because that's fairly high for a display that your eyeballs are right up next to. <laughs> and then it looks like it also has uh, 3D audio, from what they're saying there, so it's pretty interesting. And then I guess, of course, it'll work with the DualShock 4 and the PlayStation Move controllers, so very yep. interesting stuff there as well. It should be noted also that you will need the PlayStation camera in order to use this so really you, yeah oh for the tracking for the head perhaps. tracking hmm you know i i want to know if you because it'll work in theater mode from what they've said so basically that means you should be able to use it as a standard display for any gaming experience that isn't natively vr now the question i would have is do you still have to have the 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 PlayStation Eye or the Sony camera or whatever for that. You know what? I'm going to guess that they're probably going to build it out to where that you do because you'll mm. probably they'll probably do something to where you'll be like sitting in a th virtual theater kind of thing and you'll have a massive screen in front of you that you can like look around at. That's just hmm. my guess. So so this actually says, let me read this to you. It, uh, da, 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 additional made, yeah. When the headset launches later this year, it will do so along with approximately 50 games during the launch window. Holy so they are saying, shit. they are saying 50 games around the launch of this. And if you calculate everything out, plus the, the you know all the PlayStation controllers and all that sort of stuff, you're looking at probably about eight hundred and ten dollars for everything for the Sony camera and all. I mean, it's, that's assuming you don't have some of it, but but right. yeah, that's that's the price to pony up for everything. Yeah, I mean that's if you don't already have a PlayStation Four and all of that. But I mean, a lot of people already have PS4s. It's the best-selling console in this generation. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I already have the PlayStation camera because I bought it because I was going to try, you know, start streaming from the the PlayStation. And I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go figure. But um, it it yeah, you know, so that's pretty good. It knocks a little bit off my price if they aren't including that already in the package, which I don't believe they are, but maybe they are. They aren't. Okay. Although, if they were smart, they would put, like, a complete bundle out. Like, the the way that I would, I would so. do it is have three different bundles. Have one where it's, you know, just the PlayStation VR, the $400 bundle. Then I would have one that has the PlayStation VR, the camera, and the Move controllers for, I don't know like around $500 probably. And then I would have Mm. one that literally comes with everything, PlayStation, PlayStation VR, and everything you need to use it in another bundle for probably like $750, $800. You know, that's actually uh, probably a really good idea. And, And I could see that being a smart move. That way, you know, there's certain people out there that probably don't have you know, a console that have been kind of back and forth on the fence. And now they're like wanting to jump in just for the VR element. You could just do the all in one package. So yeah, I, I would say I fully agree with you. I think it's a smart move to offer as many different entry levels to this as possible to hit a broad spectrum of your audience. That way you're getting as many people involved with the level of VR that they want. And you know, that's, that's a pretty good situation. I would say that's all I have for news. Okay. So what jumped out at you this week? Yeah, so a lot of these we had the same, you know, topics about because obviously they're kind of the key points in gaming. Um, You know, in in speaking of sad, canceled things, it was apparently announced uh, today or a couple of days ago or whenever it was that Daybreak, the company that used to be Sony Online Entertainment, has canceled EverQuest Next. Oh, and yeah. they're going to be shutting that down, and I believe also the standalone portion of it called Landmark. They're going to be shutting all that down, and I guess the reason they said that they are doing this is because they, you know, went back and looked at it and, and did all sorts of analysis on it, and I guess they just came to the conclusion that it just wasn't fun. So <laughs> they they went ahead and they made a statement that you know. Fans of EverQuest expect super high quality, and they didn't feel that this was going to live up to the branding, and they are pulling the plug and shutting it down, which I think is really unfortunate because a lot of the and, – and that's me saying that without obviously playing anything of it or you know having whatever knowledge they have of it. I mean it could very well be the case or it could be the case that they're just not happy with the financial overhead of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But so far they're telling us it isn't fun, and, and that's fine. I mean if that's what it is, then that's what it is. But the original like concept footage that they showed for this a few years ago at this point looked really cool. Like I was pretty excited for it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe there's just not as many people playing MMOs anymore, or maybe they're afraid because Black Desert came out and is whooping behind. I don't know. Uh, or maybe it does. Maybe it does just have a lot of technical issues and it just wasn't headed in a path that was going to be a recipe for success. And, you know, maybe they're going to scrap it and save us all, you know, spending money on a broken game uh, that isn't enjoyable. And maybe they're going to pick themselves up and, and move forward and create something that is good. So hopefully, hopefully that happens. 
I never was really that interested in EverQuest. Um, I did think that Landmark was an interesting idea because uh, that allowed players to create environments and uh, buildings and all that sort of stuff that would be incorporated Mm -hmm. into this new EverQuest game. So that was yep. a really cool idea. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong, but if I remember correctly, they had like early access packages to this that you could buy for certain prices that would guarantee that your landmark that you created in the game or in in landmark would be moved into uh, the full game as an actual location with the name you had given it. And now it looks like all of those people that put money into it are out of luck. So that's pretty unfortunate and i'm sure we haven't heard the last of this i'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are probably very upset with the decision and and where their money has gone so time will tell yeah i didn't even think about that yeah i don't remember man i don't remember i remember looking at it because i was really interested in it and i I remember i almost did it because i was like wow that'd be so cool like if i could actually because that's, that's my thing, right? It's like, I, like Fallout, I, I think I've talked about it on here. Like, I've gotten absolutely ridiculous over top with the settlement building. And, you know, now I'm looking at the division, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, there's just, like, so many things that, like, even Grand Theft Auto. Like, I think Grand Theft Auto 5 or Grand Theft Auto Online, whatever you want to call it, is missing a huge opportunity to capitalize on creating uh, essentially guild halls out of these mansions that are up in the Vinewood Hills that are like huge, huge mansions. You know, I think they're really missing an opportunity there to have custom built mansions that you can build with your clan. Like to me, that's, you know, like even Warframe has it. And again, that's not even being utilized to the the level that I wish it would be. But like, even with this, like I literally looked at it. And I was like, Hmm, this seems like it might be right up my alley. I might have to throw some money into it. And then I, I don't know, something came out or something happened and I talked myself out of it, but kind of glad that I did now because that's really unfortunate for anybody who did that and then didn't really get the opportunity to experience that or have that, you know, follow through or whatever. The only other last thing that I had was another PlayStation announcement, and that was that PlayStation View has now gone wide to, I believe, 230 different uh, markets. And so now it should be covering the entire U.S. So uh, it's a, yeah, it's a cloud-based television service their their entry price i believe is around 30 to 40 dollars and it uh it allows you to have a cloud dvr and and access to however many channels they have so i don't know what are your thoughts on that have you are you interested in this or anything like that i haven't really looked at it i think mostly because it wasn't available around our area for the longest time um and i just thought you know this is going to be for like big metropolitan areas, um, which Phoenix would be, but you know, I'm in Yuma, uh, you're up there in the Phoenix area. So, so what are your thoughts on it? I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, I don't really have cable. Uh, you know, we cut the cord a while back and for the most part, it's pretty decent because I think, you know, cable has gotten a little bit outrageous in terms of the, you know, the price and the content and all that stuff. But 30 bucks a month, I think, is pretty reasonable. I think there's, um, I think you get 55 channels 
or, or right around there for the $30 a month. And then I think you get 100 plus channels if you move into uh, something called the Elite Package or the Elite something or other uh, program. And it's like $44.99 a month for that, but you get over 100 channels. And it's like live television and stuff like that. Plus, uh, plus I believe it's set a cloud DVR. So, I mean, considering most people pay wow. well over $100 for cable television, I think 50 or even 30 is beyond reasonable. You know, I, I would say some people might look at it and be like, well, that's so expensive compared to Netflix. And it's like, well, not really. I mean, I had Netflix plus the two Blu-rays, and that was around $25 a month. You know, I've since cut out the Blu-rays and gone strictly to the streaming, but, you know, that's still pretty reasonable. And then if you mm-hmm. if you factor that in and, and you look at this and you might be able to get rid of your Hulu or, you know, some of the other streaming services that do more television-based stuff, then, I mean, I'm not getting rid of my Netflix because, let's be honest, Daredevil's around the corner and Netflix is killing it with the original content, but... But Hulu, I don't know. I'm looking at you, man. I might be dropping. I might be dropping you Hulu because <laughs> that's a very respectable price. They, I think they also give you like a week free trial, or maybe it's a month trial for free for everyone that has a PlayStation. So I would just recommend checking it out for yourself. See if it stacks up. If it's got everything you want, then go cut that cord and, and get rid of you know your hundred dollar plus cable bill. Obviously, you'll still need the internet, of course, to utilize it. But you know, if it can save you money and it's got everything you need. Why not? I think that might have been everything I had for news, though. Oh, wait. Before we move on, let me... Here we go. Okay, so I found it online real quick. This, the website's still there, and it still has the Buy Now button, but it has the Trailblazer pack. Well, I'll start at the other end. It has the Settler pack, oh, which is, is $19.99. EverQuest next. The Explorer pack... EverQuest Landmark, yeah. Uh, Explorer pack is... Fifty nine ninety nine, and the Trailblazer pack is a hundred dollars. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's and this is the worst part, right? If you paid the hundred dollars, this is what you got: uh, unrestricted closed beta access, Trailblazer flag item. So you plant your flag in EverQuest, and EverQuest Two is what it says apparently. A Mastercraft bracer, a Void Vault, Nobles regular or regalia, whatever that is. Tech Commander's Gear, four shareable unrestricted closed beta keys, and your name in the landmark credits, which they're rolling early, folks, because <laughs> the game's been canceled. So, yeah, and then and then it says Head Start before launch. So you get 48 hours before launch for that, too. So, uh, you know, I don't know. If you got it and you've been playing it, maybe you got your money's worth out of it, but I just feel, I feel bad for anybody who's put money into this and, you know, hasn't gotten, you know all of their stuff that they're supposed to get, you know, yeah. that's kind of really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, especially since EverQuest is, like, officially the longest-running MMO, I believe. I would say it probably is. I It's definitely one of the oldest, that's for sure. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they are just going to scrap this and start a different EverQuest project. Uh, you know, maybe the market for MMOs has just gone and dried up. I don't know. I mean, with Black Desert being what it is, I would be inclined to say that MMOs haven't gone away because that's been really successful. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, though. All right. So now that the news is out of the way, let's talk about our main feature for this week, The Division. 
Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little excited in case people can't tell. <laughs> We're both very excited for this game. Yes, we are. So, how do you want to do this? You want to start off with some initial thoughts or sure yeah let's go ahead and give our initial thoughts about the game like our just kind of overall feel for the game which for me is this game is awesome i'm enjoying the hell out of it i have to say i completely agree with you it's um it had a lot of hype behind it, which anytime you have a game or any anything that has a great deal of hype behind it, it's a scary situation because there is always the possibility that it's not going to live up to what you're expecting. And I have to say this game delivered, and it definitely lives up to its hype. Does that mean that it's perfect? Absolutely not. And we'll talk about <laughs> that too. If you thought we ripped Helldivers and Payday apart because we didn't like them, you're wrong. Because we both love this game so far, and we're still going to be talking about some negative stuff with the game, because it does exist. So right. be prepared be fair, for that. I don't think that either of us didn't like Helldivers or Payday. Oh, no, absolutely not. I liked both of them. But there's parts where if you manage to walk into the room at listening to just segments of that, you might think, wow these guys hate these games and we don't but we want to see them improve and get better as exactly you know, everything should and the division is no you know exception to that expectation so just forewarning we try to give honest constructive criticism of the games. absolutely absolutely all right with that being said let's get into i don't know maybe what we like about the game first and foremost Okay. I really enjoy that it is very much a tactical shooter. Like, you need to think about what your squad is doing. Or even if you're not in a squad. Like, I ran a lot of the game solo. Like, you need to think about what gear you have, what skills you're going to be using, what you're going to be coming up against that, you know how you're going to get out of those situations so i really enjoy that i also really enjoy the way that the story is told because it doesn't it doesn't really give you like a story the way that most other games do where it's like oh you're playing the hero like you're the special whatever the fuck coming in to fuck up the bad guys and set everything straight that's not how this game works i mean in a way it kind of does but not really like you play a division agent a highly highly trained operative but you're not special like everybody else is just like you in the in the division they're all highly trained and can do the same things that you do so what about you 
Uh, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I think one of the interesting things uh, in terms of the approach to the narrative is that you do get chunks of the narrative through each one of the, what, 15 missions that are in the PvE side of things. And you get a whole lot more backstory, Easter eggs, and all these other little special, you know, kind of things for the narrative when you when you go into things like the echoes and you start, you know, listening to the phone calls when you're collecting, you know, the cell phones that are lost out in the world and, and all of the collectibles that exist out in in the main area of the PvE experience or player versus environment area for those of you that maybe don't know that acronym. When you're out in the world and you're well, there might be some since we're Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, on Geek Elite Radio, and, you know, there's other people that aren't hardcore gamers that listen to this, so just to keep everyone on the same page. Yeah, so you, when, you, when you're going out and you find all these little, you know, hidden, uh, I don't really know what to call them, but these these quest-based items for finding, basically, They're, you go out and you find them, and they give you backstories, and then there's things like the virus reports, and you watch those, and they're these little cinematic clips as to what happened, and when you you know i'm not going to spoil anything for anyone in terms of the story but when you beat the game's story up to what's being presented to us it gives you uh the unlock for the fifth virus report and man when you watch that it is creepy scary how close to reality that could be like how easily this whole situation could happen it's just absolutely eerie and frightening and it's so funny to me, too, because I I keep reading online all these people that are just like, oh, this isn't, you know, they should have just called it something else. This isn't Tom Clancy. To which I say, if you're saying that, you've never read a Tom Clancy novel or, or anything because this is so close to what would have happened in Rainbow Six had they failed their objective. Like, oh, my gosh, it's so absolutely terrifying to think what could actually happen through a bioterrorist attack. And they capture that so perfectly well in the game. And New York is such a perfect backdrop for the game to unfold and take place. And, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see where they go with the game going forward. You know, I hope that at some point with, I don't know, maybe the Division Two you know five eight ten years from now however long it is that you know we get some more cities and stuff that aren't just in new york but but for starting out with a, a new intellectual property from ubisoft uh, picking new york was absolutely 100 percent the best call i think because they replicate it so well and it's just such an incredible experience to to be walking around through new york and and they they capture it not only from that but also in making all of these iconic areas battle arenas and what that means and restoring them or not restoring them and all of that sort of stuff like is just so well crafted and it's such an interesting environment for a game that I really don't think we've got to experience before. I also think the approach of taking it to where it's a pandemic versus an apocalypse I think is huge because you're you're kind of trying to combat the the situation into becoming the apocalypse so that you know you're you're dealing with it so that it doesn't happen and become a post-apocalyptic world and i think that's a really good setting for the narrative as well so overall with with that aspect of the game i think they nailed everything they could perfectly as as they could and it certainly makes for such an incredible backdrop and and the fact that it's winter 
through the game now raises the question as to whether or not we're going to see seasons that take place through the game as the game continues to move forward. And I hope Mm -hmm. that we do. I really hope that we do. I I think there's a huge opportunity there to, you know, create different encounters and things based on environments and how that changes the landscape of things. And so I, I hope that that's something that they take into consideration going forward. But yeah, I don't know. What else do you, what else you got so far? What do you think? Well, you bringing up the seasons actually brought up something that I really enjoy about this game, and that's the changing weather. Mm-hmm. Like, it is fantastic that out of nowhere there can be, you know, a blizzard of sorts that makes it so that you can't see cars that you know are 10 feet away from you. Yeah, the the visual effects and the dynamic weather that they have is absolutely incredible. It, it, it does probably help their draw distance, which I think is a really good benefit for them in, in terms of optimization and keeping the game flowing at a, at a nice frame rate. But it's also really interesting, too, because like what you're saying, there's so many times where, you know, you'll go into a situation of combat and then before you know it, you're having a really difficult time seeing the enemies and they're having a difficult time detecting you and it just makes for such an interesting change in terms of the overall pacing of combat and it changes your tactics and yeah i i have to say mad pro and it looks beautiful like they i was just sitting here earlier and there was a, a blizzard going through and i was just sitting there and i just stopped and watched it i was just like wow this is you know we're playing on the ps4 arguably on the pc it's going to look even better but even on the consoles you know this game looks great like they did such a good job with it and 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 that's even amidst the whole E3, you know, uh, debacle where they're like, oh, well, they downed, you know, the graphics again. And it's like, yeah, they did. But it's not by a whole lot, number one. And number two, it's on a console. It makes sense. Like the hardware is not as good as a high-end PC. And not only that, they, you know, they don't obviously, you know, when they were showing that they didn't have the full game in place, you know, they're, they're, they want to put their best foot forward and show the game the best way possible. So, I mean, I can't fault them a whole lot for that. And I don't think it's that, you know, pardon the pun, I guess, massive of a shift, seeing as how this is Ubisoft massive. I don't think it's that big of a shift that it's a that it's a game breaker for people who want to pick this up. Uh, especially if you're a, a pixel junkie. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to I like to have my games look the best that they can look, but I also understand that there's a reasonable expectation of what's gonna transpire between PC and console and, you know, uh tech demo at E three versus, you know, uh an actual game that's gone gold and is in the wild. Like there's just a huge difference there. Right. I will say, um I don't know, is is there anything else that you can think of that you wanna talk about right now that's just really jumped out at you as being uh really good or wonderful or that you're really enjoying about the game all week i've been checking out the division subreddit and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people go on there and post things like oh you know this is a great game i'm having a ton of fun telling stories about their good experiences with the game but then there's also people that go on there and like i don't want to say complain but like that's the Stop best whining. word probably well well no they're not whining I'm, no i know well there are some whiners on there but sure, sure. there's gonna to be, be anywhere though exactly but, yeah for the most part people 
you know, are bringing up constructive criticism and stuff. And one of the top posts that I saw, like, the second day that the game was out was Mm -hmm. about one of the high-end weapons. And it had a talent that would um, make the cooldown for some of the signature uh, skills less, which sounds like a great thing. And it is, but it being an SMG, or submachine gun, for those of you who don't know, it spits out a ton of bullets. And that talent specifically would trigger every time that you crit. And the SMGs have a built-in bonus to crit chance already. Spitting out a hundred bullets in a magazine... You could literally pop your signature perk, and then once you empty the magazine, you're ready to pop it again. So I read stories of people going rogue in the dark zone, having this weapon, and then they were just sitting there being bullet sponges. Because they were just healing themselves and popping damage reduction and all kinds of stuff just constantly so that nobody could touch them. You know what's amazing about all that? <clears throat> what's that? They already patched it. Yeah, that which that's is that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, massive, yeah. like jumped on there immediately, and they were like, "Holy shit! Like we did not intend that at all. We are yep. gonna get on this right away." And then, <laughs> right off the bat, everybody was like, "Oh, so you know, you're gonna nerf all hand cannons now, right?" Like. <laughs> Or uh, all fusion rifles are getting nerfed. Like, totally right, just right. making fun of Bungie and yeah. their nerf policies for any time that one weapon wasn't working the way right. that they intended. They would just nerf the whole weapon class. Yeah, and they did not do that. They literally went in, they fixed the issue that was specific with this, and it's it's working very well now. And speaking of that, too, they also had a situation where I guess the bosses inside of the Dark Zone were dropping an unintended level of Phoenix coins or Phoenix tokens, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And so they went in and fixed that as well within, I think it was within like 48 hours of, of noticing that that was becoming an issue. They had already patched it along with some other, you know, I mean, just the sheer amount of patches that came, you know, from the alpha to the closed beta, from the closed beta to the open beta, from the open beta to the launch of the game. Like, they are on this game. They are very passionate about this game. They're extremely passionate about the community. They're listening to the community, and they're they're not necessarily just giving in to the demands of the community, but right. they are listening, and they're going in and really investigating things, and, and that gives me a lot of hope for where this game is going to go. Um, I know a lot of people keep comparing it to Destiny and, and, and all that, and I hope that stops now that the game's out. I really do. They're, they're, they're really... I don't think it will, unfortunately. I think it's always going to be a situation of, of kind of Apple versus Android, Pepsi versus Coca-Cola, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's unfortunate for both of those, though. I, I really do, because I think that they're both so uniquely different that it's it's really at this point in time it's it's we know that they're fully different they're both taking completely different routes for content distribution and and where their game's going and what it's supposed to be so i don't know i just hope that as a as a community of gamers we can stop 
you know, directly comparing it to Destiny and and, and doing that. Are are we still going to do it to certain things? Yes. Uh, yeah. On a developer level, I'm okay with this. On a developer level, if you want to make comparisons, I, I completely get that because there's no reason that, you know, Ubisoft can manage to do this and Destiny's still tripping or Bungie, rather, is still tripping over their feet with certain things. Like, those kinds of comparisons, I totally understand and I totally get that. It's the same thing with, you know, comparing and looking at things with with um, digital extremes versus Bungie or vice versa. Like you, you do still need to kind of research and make sure that it's a fair comparison. But I think, I think it's a pretty fair comparison to compare Bungie to Ubisoft massive in this regard with, with how they've handled the launch of this game, how quickly they've responded and how, how they've responded. They, and you're right. Like coming in and not just saying, Hey, we're going to nerf every single submachine gun, Man, I can't even imagine how furious that would have made the situation over something that's so extremely specific. Yeah. And I think I think with the way that the, the loot system's designed in the game, I think this is something we could potentially see down the road again. To where it's like, hey, this is completely unbalanced. You know, the community's going to call them on it. They're going to go and double check their numbers and be like, you know what? Yes, this absolutely is. You're right. And they're going to fix it. And that that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a tremendous, tremendous amount of hope. The other thing that gives me a tremendous amount of hope about this game going forward is the fact that they already have a year one roadmap of content. And so much of that content just looks incredible. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's still unknown and, and mysteries behind it. And that's fine. We're, you know, they can't give everything away right now. But, I mean, this game's not even out a month. It, it, I don't even think the game was out yet when they released this. And, you know, we're already getting free content in uh, April, free content in May, content in June, content in summer, content in winter. And, you know, it's it's some of the content's already been patched in. Like, it's just not unlocked yet. So, like, the right. first incursion, which, again, is going to be a MMO raid-type gameplay we, you know again i don't want to compare it to destiny's raids because i don't think it's going to be anything like that i think this is just going to be the division's take on what their raid mechanic is going to be for their game and and i hope it's eight players i hope it's two squads of four it's probably won't be it'll probably be one squad of four but my fingers are crossed they would actually allow you to have two teams of four so that that would that would be my ideal hope uh, behind that and you know we'll see what happens going forward but i did notice there's like an apc with like what looks to be a life bar in there and and I, i'm not going to spoil anything for anybody but it looks like you might be fighting an apc in in the you know ex- not expansion it's not really i guess it's dlc but it's a it's a free content that they're going to be putting out so that definitely looks exciting as all get out and terrifying Yes, and absolutely terrifying at the same time. It's so true. <laughs> I do think um, I do think there's a lot of things that they still need to kind of figure out what they're trying to do with the game, you know. Um, but before I get into that, is there anything else that you want to talk about in terms of what you just really, really like or, or love about this game? You mentioned that Massive is listening to player suggestions and they're not necessarily like catering to the players, which I think is a really good decision. Something that illustrates that is a lot of people have complained that the rusher type enemies 
that, you know, just run up into your face with shotguns in the challenge modes are really, really difficult, which they're supposed to be. It's a challenge mm-hmm. mode. Yep. You know, you have to prioritize your targets. Absolutely. Massive was like, yeah, we've heard all these complaints. And basically what we would say is try different tactics. Mm-hmm. Try something else because what you're doing isn't working. And I, I can understand where a lot of people are coming from because the the rusher ones are they terrify me, and it's <laughs> it's really cool now because uh, you know we we have a group of people we play together and and you and I play together when we can of course, mm-hmm. but lately I've been playing a lot with uh, Exia and and Predator and we've already started just instinctually coming up with this system that's more traditional to how you would attack an MMO, which is that you pull. And yeah. you pull based on priority targets. And so the, that's what we do. We get into position. We analyze what we're looking at in terms of, of target acquisitions. And then we have a whole uh, process that goes into place behind that. And sometimes it works. And when it works, it works extremely well. Other times it turns into a gigantic clusterfuck of a shit show. And we all end up dying <laughs> and cursing and, and losing, you know, dark zone uh, loot and and experience points and all that sort of stuff and it happens yeah but you know that's the thing that i would i would strongly recommend is to realize that you are playing a more traditional mmo with modern shooter mechanics and with that being said approach it how you would approach those things in a traditional mmo you know if you know those things are going to be a problem identify them don't and that's the thing is i see a lot of people playing this game and they're still playing it as if it was call of duty or something to that effect and they just rush straight up in there and then the next thing you know you're outnumbered you're outflanked you're surrounded and you're screwed yep and so that's the thing you know don't be in a rush take your time be methodical be tactical spread out flank your enemies you know, do do those sorts of things and, and you'll have a better success rate. I won't say you'll have a 100% success rate, but you will have a better one. Absolutely. And I still have some interesting ideas that I want to try out later uh, <laughs> to see if they actually work, but I won't go into that now. If anyone's interested, I'll try to make a video of it. And if it fails miserably, then you'll know not to do it. But if it succeeds, it'll look pretty cool. But but for now, I'll just say I, I have some interesting ideas for crazy effing tactics that I haven't seen anybody do yet. So I'm excited Sweet. for that. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited for that. So I, you, go ahead. Yeah, what else you got? Anything else jumping out at you that you just absolutely love about this game? Going back to like how the story is told, I really mm-hmm. love the Echoes. Like The yes. Echoes are some of the coolest narrative things in the game for me. Because they're constructed as, like, recreations of a bunch of different, like, satellite data and surveillance data and all of this stuff as, like, this, like, a phantom of an event Mm -hmm. that happened that's reconstructed for your agent to see. And, like, you know, audio plays during it, kind of playing out the scene, and you see kind of like uh, like ghosted images of what all went down in that scene and sometimes mm-hmm. there's even bodies sitting there like in almost the same position as the ghosted images so it's really intense 
showing you what went down. And yeah. I just love it. And it doesn't like shove it in your face either. Like you kind of you kind of have to look for it, like delve into it because you can absolutely some missions make you activate echoes in order to uh finish objectives, but you know, you just have to activate it. You don't have to go into what all happened in that scene. If you want to, you absolutely can. And I think that everyone should because it's amazing. But you don't have to if you don't want to. No, and I would, I would completely agree with you. It, it's, I've, you know, I find myself activating the echoes and then, like, I love the little sound effect that happens when you kind of walk through one of the particle effect uh, people mm-hmm. that are there. It's kind of got this, like, sound. And yeah. it's, it's so cool. But I, but I agree with you. It's, it's a very unique approach to telling the story that I really don't think I've seen anything like it before in a game. And it's, it's put out in such a manner that you can partake in it if you want, but you don't have to. But, and not only that, but even if you just activate it and you're listening to the audio, that's only one layer of that story. If you go up to the individual particle effect outline people that are there, it'll give you information on that person. Yep. You know, it'll say, this is so-and-so, they used to be this, you know, their location, last known location is this, you know, or they're deceased now or whatever. And it gives you all these, you know, really intricate back pieces to who that person was and what transpired where you're at. And I absolutely agree with you. And and the whole thing behind this game is is there is so much here if you just take the time and explore it. Mm-hmm. And the whole world, too, like, oh, my gosh, mad props to every single person that worked on this game that had anything to do with it, because this is just so well crafted in terms of, of the story in the world. It's so eerie. Like, there's a part where you're in your base of operations, even, and you've unlocked something in the security wing and you walk over and it's this whole, like, cork board or, you know, whatever it is, hook wall or whatever, that's just completely covered in dog tags of dead soldiers, and there's another part where you walk in and there's just all these, you know, missing uh, persons, p- flyers, like, all over this building. And, you know, when you take a moment to actually look at that and let the gravity of that situation really sink in and understand that you're possibly only 10% of what's left of the human population, it's it's a daunting world that you're in. And it's it's incredibly viscerally done. And I have to just say, I'm enjoying every moment of exploring both the standard zone and the dark zone. Yeah, there's one building in the dark zone that just like is completely ice covered. It just it looks so badass. Like it's super cool. Speaking about making this a living, breathing world in some of the safe houses, they have like memorials set up and there's like npcs that you know hang around these memorials and are like bawling their eyes out and all kinds of stuff it they did a fantastic job of world building with this and Mm -hmm. um when i was you know traveling around trying to unlock all the zones which i was doing this at like level 15 and the zones go up to like level 30 so I was in zones that I had no business being in. When you get up to the, like, level 30 zones, you start encountering enemies that I hadn't encountered yet. Didn't even know about them. Called the LMB, the Last Mm -hmm. Man Battalion. And they have set up, like, their own kind of... They're kind of like the JTF. Like, they set up their own bases and 
everything's kind of governed by them. And as I was, like, sneaking around, I was like, man, like, these guys know what they're doing. Like, why are they enemies? This is awesome. This is how it should be done. But, like, they still were popping up as red enemies and had a skull next to them because they were way above my level. So I was like, all right, I'm sticking to the shadows and, you know, slowly making my way toward the safe house so that I can unlock it and fast travel. And um, as I was doing this, I happened to be up on, like, a scaffolding, looking down on this group, like, traveling down this uh, street. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, they're just on patrol. I just have to, you know, kind of follow along with them on the scaffolding and everything will be cool. A couple of civilian NPCs came up and immediately all of these people in this patrol drew weapons on them. And they were like, hey, what are you doing out here? Because it was nighttime in the world. And they were like, you know, curfew is going on right now. Why aren't you in your homes? And the civilian NPCs were just like, you know, we we don't want any trouble. Like, we're sorry. Don't hurt us. And then the LMB is just like, yeah, well, you know, you're in a lot of trouble now. And they start, like, firing at them. And the, the one of the NPCs, like, straight up just dies. And the other one, like, runs and eventually gets shot and, you know falls down dead and then the lmb is like oh why don't these people just follow our commands like we're just trying to help them and immediately i was like oh i understand why they're enemies now like i can't wait to be level 30 so i can come back and murder these fools yeah so the 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 really fascinating thing about the lmb is that a little bit of their backstory is is that they were a private military contractor a pmc that was hired by Wall Street, a lot of Wall Street companies to protect them and their assets and high value targets during the green or the dollar flu outbreak. Mm -hmm. And when the situation actually got worse, they didn't pull them out. They just left them there. And so they decided to kind of try to take control of New York by force because a lot of them are ex-military and, you know, they were still there fulfilling their contracts. And in my opinion, they're absolutely one of the hardest factions in the game i mean they and that's i think one of the other really cool things behind this game that they absolutely did really well uh, with with the ai is there's so many different factions you've got the rioters the rikers the cleaners the lmb and they all have their own unique characteristics in terms of combat and they have their own approach and 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 that sort of thing so it it really is truly well done from that standpoint too and i'm I'm really kind of excited to see where they continue to go with these and what new factions we might get way later down the road. But for starting out, excellent job. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, when you're fighting these different factions, they are completely different. And these factions are really interesting because they don't necessarily agree with each other. Like, I've come up on a number of different times where, you know, there were, like, rioters fighting cleaners. Just a couple of roaming packs of enemies happened Mm -hmm. upon each other, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it happens quite a bit inside of the Dark Zone. I've come across it quite a few times now where they're in there and they're just going at each other. And it's you hear it from a distance, and you're just like, oh, shit, it's going down. 
Yep. All right, so I think we've covered a pretty hefty amount of what we liked about this game. I'm sure we could go on for another hour or so just off of uh, that, but let's move into... (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, Let's move into some of the things that we think could be improved on or that, you know, is maybe something we don't like that much. Uh, So why don't you kick us off here? What's some of the biggest problems you see with the game from your standpoint? Well, immediately one of the biggest problems that I had with the game was character customization. During the beta, we talked a little bit about how the character creation was lacking that they didn't really have very many options, and we both kind of assumed that there would be more options in the full release. Mm-hmm. Technically there are, but really there aren't that many more. No, yeah. For me, again, this goes back to the way I am as a gamer, especially with, with that. I love customization. And when you say there's going to be customization, there better be a lot of it. And The Division, you know... And we even had this discussion, too. We're like, okay, I mean, I kind of get it because you're trying to optimize the game world. However, the easiest way around that, because when you're pretty much alone, you're in your own instance. You're not really encountering a lot of other players. Even if somebody else joins you, at most, it's going to have to really render four unique faces. Even most of your enemies, you never really see their face. The cleaners all wear full uh, facial masks. Uh, A lot of them do. A lot of them hide their faces. So it's not really having to render that much detail. So the easiest way, in my opinion, around that was open up the door to the customization, let the the faces and all that be there. And then if that's a problem, go to a full face mask inside of the dark zone, because that's where you're running into, I think, 20 to 20 to 30 other players can occupy a dark zone space. Um, So that I would have thought would have been the best solution there. And I don't know if it's that or if it was just they just didn't get around to building a, a fully robust character creation but the tattoo options almost seem completely pointless i mean they're just on your character's neck and there's only a handful of them there is sunglasses but the sunglasses you can't ever take off which i think is absolutely another missed point of a cosmetic item that could have been dropped in the game i mean we get jackets we get hats we get boots and and pants and all that stuff why couldn't sunglasses have fallen in that it's another category that could have worked really well to get some extremely extremely cool uh, itemized loot drops for cosmetic purposes yeah i completely agree with you on that um i think that you know accessories like glasses definitely should have been one of the cosmetic um categories because you periodically can get gear um that are completely cosmetic like hats shirts pants shoes you know stuff like that why not glasses especially since you can't take off the glasses like richard said i don't know although speaking of those cosmetic items it would also be really awesome if you could fucking preview what they look like yes not only when you're buying them but also when you're trying to equip them because the only way that you can see what they look like is by actually equipping them and then you have to remember what the fuck you had equipped before if you don't like it and want to go back you come across a fuckload of cosmetic items so it's a little difficult keeping them all straight sometimes 
Well, not only that, but the naming of them, too, makes it difficult. Because you'll have military cap, trendy military cap, slouchy military, whatever it is. Like, you, yeah. you'll literally have, a, like, one-word variations of what they are. And to, to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, I feel like everything needs to have a a visualization. Like, because even when you're looking at the, the weapons in the vendor or, you know, gosh, what else? The mods for your guns all those sorts of things like you can't really see what they look like oh and the weapon skins too all you get is the name you can't you know uh view the weapon skin before you purchase it but yeah i I agree with you wholeheartedly i think everything needs to have a option to preview what it looks like before you purchase it and speaking of things and previews before you purchase it that brings me to a point that's been driving me absolutely insane which is the stat calculation in this game, as far as I can tell, and and I might be wrong, and if I am, please somebody tell me what in the world I'm doing wrong, but the stat calculation in this game is not accurate when you're at a vendor. I, I had it happen to me today. I reached uh, rank 30 on my Dark Zone rank. I was finally able to go and purchase really you know pretty decent high-end stuff from the um, checkpoints before you go into the Dark Zone, and I had my primary weapon equipped, and, you know, they have a magazine mod in there that says it does X percentage of accuracy, X percentage of reload, whatever. And mm-hmm. it tells me, it tells me if I purchase this and equip it, it'll raise my weapon damage for my primary weapon up to 110,000 or whatever it is. Okay. Right. So it's like 4,000 more than what I was at. So I'm like, wow, that's a really good mod. Like I should totally buy that. So I buy it. And then when I go in my mods to equip it, it says it actually will take 8,000, 8,000 away from my DPS for the same gun that it told me when I was purchasing it from a vendor that it would give me 4,000 more. So, yeah, and and that's where I have a a problem with this game, you know. That that needs to be looked at. I again, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I don't think I am. I've seen a few other people that have had similar comments and similar things happen to them. So I don't think I'm wrong. I think there's just something wrong in how it's displaying or how it's calculating those stats. And when you're spending money on it, especially dark zone currency or God forbid even Phoenix credits, which are you know pretty difficult to come by. The last thing you want to do is purchase something that you think is going to be extremely beneficial for you, only to find out that it actually is worse or takes away from what you're trying to accomplish. So I definitely think that's something that needs to be looked at, or maybe I need to do more research. But I, I so far have not seen anything online on Reddit, the Division Forum communities, the you know YouTube channels I go to. I even search YouTube to try and see, like, you know, division stats explained, and it's all just, oh, firearm stamina and, and your medic stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I get that. But, yeah. you know, that's not that's not the issue. You know, this is the issue. God, I really don't like the DPS stat at all because mm-hmm. it's just so misleading. Yep. I think, and I understand what they were trying to do with it. Like, it totally makes sense. But for somebody like me who really likes to min-max stuff, that DPS stat just throws everything for a loop. Because Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually give you an accurate representation of what sort of damage you're going to be doing. It's very much an estimate based on a convoluted equation of different stats. 
every weapon has an actual damage stat, and that's what I think should be displayed first and foremost, not the DPS stat. I think they should just get rid of the DPS stat altogether. I completely agree with you. I think that would make way... I think it would simplify it, and I think it would make it a lot easier, because that's the thing, right, is, is okay... If you're doing, it says that you're estimated to do 100,000 damage per second, but then your weapon damage is maybe 36,000 per round that you're firing. Mm-hmm. Who who really cares? Does it really matter if you're doing 110,000 or, or does it matter that you're increasing this 36,000 to 80,000 and that's what every single round is going to put out is? You know, you're going to have wild rounds in there that are subtracted by armor. You're going to have wild rounds in there that are increased significantly by, uh, you know, criticals. I mean, I one-shotted this elite with, I think, 222,000 off of a crit or something like that. So, I I mean, and and that's also not taking into account any of the consumables or buffs that are in the game, such as, you know, the advanced, I forget exactly what it's called, but the, the cover thing where you... apply extra damage when you're in cover and you know when you use the pulse that does extra damage or any of the signature skills that increase that or using water or any of these things that increase that like it's kind of irrelevant and i think they missed uh, speaking of that and and moving a little bit you know lateral with it i guess they they did do something that i thought was going to be really smart which was putting a gun range inside of the base of operations and i was like well this is really fantastic especially for players that max men a lot and so I thought that was going to be a really great thing. But when you go in there, it's it's basically just a mini game to see how many targets you can shoot faster. Sure, it'll give you an idea of your damage, mm-hmm. but it's not really allowing you to really, really test what mods are actually doing to your weapon. And I think that's a really missed, a really big missed opportunity for the game. And I hope it's something they go in and, and look at and change. Mods do play a role in the shooting range from what I could tell because you know you're there seeing the damage numbers that you're dealing out to these targets um the thing that I thought was a missed opportunity with the shooting range is your skills don't necessarily apply to the damage that you're doing to these targets because like your pulse doesn't seem to help anything because it doesn't recognize them as threats Mm -hmm. so i maybe i just didn't notice an increase in the crit damage and crit chance when i was using it but yeah i didn't notice any difference between just shooting my guns at the targets without any type of buff versus with the buffs but that's pretty much that's pretty much what I'm saying though is like I, I know that it does show you your damage, but the thing is is that you only get like thirty seconds or whatever it is, and it's just like shoot as many targets as you can. Like it's not really presented in a way that you can really go and test that weapon out. That's what I'm saying. Like I wish that you would go in and it would actually just had stationary targets at different distances so you could get an idea for, hey, this weapon has fallout damage after, you know, fall off damage after a certain range or, you know, it's not timed and you can actually sit there and say, okay, how does my skills affect this? And you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. Like as it is now, it's basically just a mini game. 
that does show you your damage when you shoot a target. But what if you walked in there and it had stationary targets at different ranges and you could see the damage fall off, number one, and then yeah. you could also, it would also incorporate your skills and you could test out, because you know, that's the other thing too, right? If you want to go in there and you want to test out your Seeker Mine and how your gear is impacting the damage output of your Seeker Mine, you can't really do that. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, if they actually put a weapon range in there that would allow you to test those things, I think that would be much more rewarding and beneficial to players than just a mini game that lets you shoot like 15 targets within 30 seconds or whatever. And then you're trying to figure out exactly what your weapon's doing based off of that. You know what well, I mean? Uh, I I actually don't know what you mean because like when I go into mine, it is stationary targets, and I can just unload as many rounds as I want. And really, yeah, like there's no timer or anything. I I'm very confused by what you're huh. saying. Actually, well, maybe I'm doing it wrong because yeah, when I walk up into mine, it starts. It has like a TV screen, and it starts counting down, and then it it does pop up targets. Huh. And it's it's only for like thirty seconds, so I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I need to look at that more. But I either way, it we both agree that it because I could totally be looking in the wrong spot. But we both agree that it needs to allow you to test your skills and and those sorts of things. Yes, I'm gonna have to go look at that now because I'm really curious. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll send you a, a clip of it because it it seriously is like a little mini game, and I was like, well, that's fun. Not helpful, but fun, I guess. Yeah, I haven't seen that at all, so I'm going to have to try and find what hmm. that is. Interesting. Yeah, very weird. I don't know. The The only other thing that I've noticed that seems to be an issue, too, is that sometimes when you're in cover and you reload, it drops you through the floor of the, of the world. Oh, shit. Have you ran into that at all? I haven't had that. So it's it's happened a lot. It's happened a lot to uh, myself. I've, I watched Predator just ooze through. We were in a mission on a rooftop, <laughs> and I looked over one second, he was there. The next second I look over, I just see him, like, melt through the floor, and he was oh, just shit. gone. And we are like, holy crap. So, yeah, that's another thing that could be improved upon as well. So it definitely has stuff. Uh, have you spent a lot of time in the dark zone? I, or I've spent a little bit. A little bit of time in the dark zone, um, though I have had one weird instance where I was outside of the play area, um, mm -hmm. and that was we were doing a side mission where we, like, jumped down off of this overpass um, to, like, a storefront that had, like, a little tiny awning on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got stuck on that awning for a second. So my character is just kind of like hovering there on that awning. And then like I jumped down and it was like outside of the play area, bringing you back to the play area in 10, whatever. And I was like, yep, what the fuck? Like I jumped down. I'm cool. I'm back in the play area. You don't need to reset me. But it did mm -hmm. it anyway. But as far as the Dark Zone, I I have spent about two hours in the Dark Zone. Um, I was, you know, playing solo in it for a little while. Just kind of scoping it out, seeing where stuff is, um, killing some NPCs because, you know, I wanted to rank up so that I could actually get loot inside of the Dark Zone. Um 
and yeah, I I had a really good time with it actually. It was really fun, um, very tense. I did have a couple of people go rogue around me, and that's always kind of like terrifying when that happens, especially when you notice that like the markers on the mini map are coming closer to you. Like I was solo just running around killing some NPCs and I see a couple of rogue markers pop up on the mini map and I was like, oh, okay, you know, they're pretty far off. And then they start getting closer and I'm like, oh, okay, I need to keep more of an eye on that. And then they start like getting a lot closer and there's, you know, two or three of them. And I was like, well, I need to get the fuck out of Dodge now because <laughs> I'm not dealing with more than one person when it's just little old me in here fuck that noise no absolutely i it's i've spent a good amount of time in there now at this point yeah i just actually finally reached rank 30 today which is pretty good i still got a little ways to go to hit 50 but i yeah i think that uh i think it's interesting because i really love the concept of the dark zone Mm-hmm. I still don't think it's quite perfected yet. I, I, and I'm not entirely sure how to go about perfecting it. But to me, you know, so far I haven't really... I've come across a, a couple people that have gone rogue. Mm-hmm. But they've only really gone rogue for, you know, like they'll shoot at you and go rogue. And then they'll just stop shooting. Right. Like as if they just preemptively did it to make sure you weren't going to try and, and screw them over or whatever. But outside of that, I don't really see anybody going rogue. And I feel like the penalties for going rogue are too high. And with that being said, it's it's really killing a little bit of that tension because it's it's so bad that it's almost to a point where if you go rogue now, you're not going to survive that rogue status. Like, even even if you have a really good tactical team, like, you're going to have everybody on you in a matter of moments, and you lose so much more, and especially if you start going up extra rogue levels, because the only option you really have is to either run, which is mildly successful for the most part, or to fight. And the thing is that the longer you fight, the higher your, your rogue rank goes. And when you hit rogue rank 5... You're put into a manhunt, and it's alerting everyone to your location all the time, and you have a huge bounty put on your head. And so you lose a lot of experience points, a lot of money, dark zone keys, and I just don't think there's a good enough reason to... I mean, the other side of the coin is this, right? I've been playing a lot of solo dark zone because uh, the times that I've ventured into the dark zone, just other players that we know aren't online, and that's fine. But I go into the Dark Zone a lot, and my first thought is I'm not picking loot up, period. Unless it's extremely good, then I'll risk it. Otherwise, I'm not painting a target on my back. I'm not after that. I'm after, uh, you know, Dark Zone funds. I'm after the rank. I don't want to lose experience. I don't want to lose my Dark Zone keys. And the reality is, is that I didn't get attacked once. I actually didn't get attacked by another player when I was solo ever. I actually got attacked more when I was in a group and had a, a higher you know, statistical probability of survival than when I was alone. And then I had you know, like one person that would be alone trying to shoot at me. And I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you know, and then they would just go off. They would just walk away. So I, I definitely think it needs work. And, you know, 
I feel like they need to not penalize the rogues as much. I think there still needs to be some sort of checks and balances system that's in place. The other thing that I think needs to happen, because quite frankly, the bulk majority, I would say 99% of the loot I came across the dark in the dark zone was shit anyway. It wasn't even worth picking up, and it absolutely right. wasn't worth picking up and risking the possibility of losing my dark zone keys, my experience points, or anything else. So I think one of the things they could do to make it a little bit more interesting would be to not necessarily show other players what loot you had, but mm-hmm. show the quality of the loot. Yep. Then as a rogue or as a player, if I see you and you just have a whole bag full of green and blue items, I'm you know, or cosmetic even, you know, let's say that you are playing the dark zone and all of a sudden this, you know, beanie drops that has the little pom-pom on the top which everyone seems to be losing their (laughs) shit about like let's say that you get one of those that finally drops and you're really excited about it as a player i'm not gonna go f you up over a beanie like i don't give a shit are there some people to do sure apparently a lot of people would f you up for it (laughs) so be forewarned beanies will cause rogues but the reality of it is is that i have no way of knowing what you have so in all honesty I have no real incentive to go rogue ever. You know, now if I looked at a player and I saw, hey, this player has three blue, or not three blues, but three purples and an orange, well, now now I'm going to consider it. You know what I mean? Like, it might even be garbage orange. Like, it might even be the worst thing in the world for me as a player. It, It could be, you know... I don't know. I'm trying to think of what the worst thing would be. It could be like some orange flash hider or something, right? <laughs> and I I wouldn't know that, but I would say, okay, this guy has three rares and a high end. I'm going to risk it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to risk it if I know that there's something that's worth me putting that on the line. So I think those are two things they need to look at somehow. Like, they need to not penalize the the rogue killing or, you know, dying as a rogue mm-hmm. as much. And they need to create an incentive for people to go rogue. Because if it keeps going as it is now, all of the tension is going to go away except for, you know, the handful of colossal D-bag trolls that reach max rank and then have nothing else to do in the game and just decide to go in and cause grief for people which is going to happen that's going to become another issue which is another reason i'm just like thank god they're putting content out in you know april and may because the faster people hit that the the more they're just going to go in and the only thing they have at that point to do is to troll you like they, they don't they're not going to get any better gear necessarily. It's going to be it's going to be even more rare for them to get better gear. So yep. there's even less of an incentive for them to go rogue other than to be an a-hole. And, you know, there's going to be that group of people that do that, and we'll get to that point. But I just think that there's a – I love the idea of this system. I love the concept of the, of the tension and, and all of that. But, you know, they, they have to do something to make it worth – your time and your effort to say, I want to risk this because just seeing a yellow bag on somebody's back as a player, knowing I'm going to lose what I'm going to lose. I'm not going to even risk it. I'm just going to yeah. be like, F that noise. Not worth it. Yeah. And massive has said that they are looking at rebalancing the dark zone so that there is more incentive to go rogue because right now a lot of people are saying that, you know, there is not enough incentive 
for anyone to go rogue. I have had one person go rogue on me, and, you know, they killed me, but unfortunately I was righted in front of a safe house, so I just immediately came out and fucked his world up. Nice. (laughs) But, yeah, like, he definitely got the worst end of that. Because I, I stole a Dark Zone key from him and got a bunch of credits and bunch of xp got a trophy off of it no exactly exactly like it's it, you get so I, I mean i'm not the type of player that really wants to go rogue anyway that's just me like i i don't really want to do that yeah you know would i consider doing it if i knew somebody was carrying around two or three high ends maybe Uh, but even but even then like that just typically isn't me like i'm the type of person that i would much rather go in and form a group of people that are gonna hunt down rogues yep but i totally understand the argument that people are making and i totally agree with it i totally know what they mean like they're just there isn't a good enough consistency of quality loot drops to make it to where every person you see that has a yellow bag you're gonna question Hey, this is worth taking them out because when I'm in when I'm in a group that's three or four of us, I'll pick every piece of garbage in the world up because I can break that down for crafting components. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is like when I know that I'm doing that, to me that says everyone else is doing the same thing. You know, I mean, I've played this long and I had my first high end loot drop in the dark zone today. And, you know, with that kind of ratio, I, I already know it's not worth the risk. It, it absolutely is not worth the risk. The only way I'm going to go rogue is if somebody jumps in front of me and takes a, a bullet that got a bad hop. Which apparently or, a lot of people will do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's to try and make you go mm-hmm. rogue. And again, that's one of the best things they fixed from the from the open beta was the turret. All they had to do was hit you with one round. The turret would start unloading on them. You would go rogue. They would kill you and get all your stuff. So they totally fixed that. The, the, the turret will not fire on anyone that is not in a rogue status. You can't even accidentally get hit by that thing anymore. And I think that's such a smart move by Massive to, to fix that. But again, you know, they have to do something to up the reward and to, to really make it a, a judgment call of, do I really want to go rogue? Do I really want to risk? I mean, there still needs to be an unknown factor. There still needs to be a calculated reward uh, risk-reward situation, sure. Right. But it's not enough right now to incentivize people to do that at all. I completely agree. And I actually think that you're, the idea that you presented where you know you can see the quality of the loot that people have is a great idea i think that absolutely is the way to go because then you know people can make a decision as to mm-hmm. is this worth risking going rogue for and well, they don't and check know this out. for sure either well and check this out how about this this is even easier this would be so fucking easy to implement in the game like by the end of the week they could do this i'm sure of it right (laughs) so what if the bag the color of the bag wasn't yellow every time what if it was the color of the highest quality item that they had on them so it wouldn't even tell you how many of each item but if you pick up a purple that bag is purple if you pick up a high end it's orange so it's instantly telling you that there is at least one item of that quality in there 
that's a perfect solution for me because then I see that orange bag. Oh, it's it. Well, I don't want to say oh, it is game <laughs> on. But if I'm thinking like a rogue, it's game on. Yeah. At that point, if I see a purple, I'm probably still gonna say it's game on. If I see a blue, maybe. You know, if I see a cosmetic item and I'm one of these people that's obsessed with the pom-pom beanies, sure, I'm probably going to just start effing everybody up, hoping that I get one. I think that's a really perfect solution for that part of the problem. I agree. I That sounds like a great solution to me. But, I mean, who knows? Massive said that they're working on it, so... Hopefully, whatever they come up with is going to be good. Yeah, I, I'm sure they will. I'm sure that they're going to you know, figure it out because I love the concept of it. And the last thing I, I, I would hate to see is this go to uh, you know, a more traditional player versus player environment. I don't want that in this game. I don't want to have to deal with that. I especially don't want to have to deal with that to get loot and stuff like that. Like What it is now, I like it. I like that it's a question of you know, when is this going to happen you know, I don't like the. I would hate to see it merge into a situation of of strictly competitive PvP area. You know, if you want to tack that on at some point as just a fun side thing for people, sure, I'm all for that. But yeah, for the love of God, keep it as it is in terms of what you're trying to do. Don't lose sight of what you're trying to do and 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 move away from that. But and don't please, for the love of God, don't make any sort of pvp zone that gives you loot that impacts the game like if you want to do pvp that's strictly cosmetic sure fine i'll I'll live with that but for the love of god please don't move into pvp for loot like uh, there's so many people that don't want to do that and i think that's gonna totally move away from the tonality of the game that they've already set so i hope that doesn't happen but and I don't think it will. I think that's a pretty big shift, but I'm just throwing that out there for the sake of argument. Right. Well, I, like I said, we could go on and on and on, but we, yeah, we've already gone on probably way, way longer than we should have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but just a lot. Yes, absolutely. So. We should maybe just release this as two episodes. Standalone news episode and then meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, <laughs> the division. Um, yes. Anyway, any final closing thoughts really quick before we sign off here? No. I mean, I think we covered this pretty well. All right. Well, with that being said, you can follow Chris uh, on Twitter at Wizard. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rykoen. And I just want to say, since we can't talk about The Division in every single episode going here forward, uh, go check out Rogue Agent Radio. It's The Division's number one uh, podcast in terms of player-created content, and they are a fantastic podcast. I love those guys. been listening to their show quite a bit. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, Chris, I would strongly recommend you go check it out, too. They um, have some great, great stuff over there, and they do weapon reviews. They do... Um, you know, a thing they call the uh, manhunt, which is where they let listeners write in and, and convince them as to why they should allow or, or why people should go and friend them on, on their, you know, console or PC and play the division with them. Just a great group of, of guys and gaming community over there. So just wanted to give a shout out to them and, and go check them out because, you know, like I said, we can't do that every week since we're not a division podcast, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure there will always be yeah, I'm sure there will always be some tiny fragment of the division in damn near every episode we do. So Probably. Uh, yeah. 
also just go to uh, geekeliteradio.com. You can find all of the Geek Elite Radio shows on there. You can find all the Geek Elite Radio social media. I said that really weird. Social media on there. And last, uh, check us out on Facebook. And uh, I think until next time, geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs>